The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Lord, be on my mind, be on my lips, and in my heart. At daybreak, on the first day of the week, the women who had come from from Galilee with Jesus took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were puzzling over this, behold, two men in dazzling garments appeared to them. They were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. And they said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here. He has been raised. Remember what he said to you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and announced all these things to the eleven and to the others. The women were the women were Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James. The others who accompanied them also told this to the apostles. But their story seemed like nonsense. And they did not believe. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, bent down, and saw the burial cloths alone. And then he went home amazed at what had happened. The Gospel of the Lord. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. Now you may be seated. (laughs) But not everyone. (laughs) I know you're tempted to take the children's chairs. (laughs) It wouldn't be nice. (laughs) And so the women come back from the tomb and tell the eleven and the others And to them, it seemed like nonsense. Can you blame them? (laughs) And that is the right answer. You cannot. Come on, he rose from the dead? That is hard to believe. Yet that is what we celebrate and profess. And you know, that could have been the end of the story right there. They did not believe. But 
Peter, for some reason, runs to the tomb, hoping that perhaps what he heard is true, wanting to find out for himself. And why is it? We don't know. But Peter was the one who denied him three times. And so he might have been aware of his hurt in the past, his failure to do the right thing, his not living up to what he expected of himself or others might have expected of him, his being unfaithful to the Lord. And so wanting to be reconciled, perhaps, wanting to be forgiven, wanting once again to feel the embrace of the one he cared for. He runs to the tomb, hoping beyond hope that he may have a second chance. You know, that's really the same story for all of us today. We hear that Jesus is risen. Usually it's the women who tell us, our mothers, our grandmothers, most of those who work in the church. <laughs> but unless we have some awareness of a desire to find whether that is true, we may never check it out. It may seem like nonsense and it may be the end of the story for us. You know, it might be a little bit like the original sin. In our modern society, our science, our knowledge, our understanding of so many things has gotten so advanced that we too, like Adam and Eve, think that we're like gods. We're complete on our own and we don't need this nonsense story. And so we are invited to go to the tomb to check out the evidence, to see for ourselves and not simply discard it. And so, what is some of the evidence? There's so much evidence that we would be here all day if I really talked about it all. Matter of fact, John's Gospel ends that way. There's so many more things we could tell you, but it would fill volumes. But let's talk about the one that was brought up in the gospel today. The angels tell the women, remember what he told you, that he must suffer and die, and in three days, rise. The dynamic of prophecy being fulfilled in Jesus Christ is a design by God to help us be more receptive to what God has done. In the Old Testament, there's over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah, and Christ fulfills all of them. You may know some of them. Born of a virgin in Isaiah, born in Bethlehem in Micah, from David's line in Samuel, that he would suffer for the sins of his people and work atonement from Isaiah. The Psalms even predict that he would die, written 2,500 years before Christ comes. 
And they even give details. Psalm 34 says none of his bones would be broken. Psalm 22 that we hear on Good Friday, his hands and his feet shall be pierced and they shall cast lots for his clothing. Two prophecies that I love to talk about from my favorite author, Brant Petrie, in his book, The Case for Jesus, not The Case for Christ, that was Lee Strobel. And so this is a commercial. You can get this book later. It talks about talks about two things that I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. The book of Daniel. It's debated, of course, but he provides a powerful interpretation of how not only did the book of Daniel, which Jesus himself refers to by calling himself the Son of Man and proclaiming the kingdom of God, nowhere else in the Old Testament is the kingdom of God mentioned. But the book of Daniel does predict that there would be four kingdoms and the Messiah would come during the fourth kingdom. He predicts there would be the kingdom of Babylon, the kingdom of Persia, the kingdom of the Greeks, and then the kingdom of the Romans in which a Messiah would become and then be cut down and further the temple would again be destroyed. He gives not only the prophecy but the timetable. It's incredible. And another prophecy that he gives in his book is the prophecy that Jesus himself gives when his doubters ask for a sign. And he says the only sign that will be given is the sign of Jonah. And you know the story of Jonah. Swallowed by the whale, three days in the belly of the fish, and then comes back to life representing the three days Jesus was in the tomb and comes back to life. But that's not the whole meaning of what Jesus is pointing out. Because once Jonah rose from the dead, he went to Nineveh and preached, and the whole Gentile city converted. One of the greatest prophecies that has been fulfilled, that we don't talk about much, is not what happened 2,000 years ago, but what has happened since the resurrection that Christianity from one person, humble, lowly, seemingly insignificant, crucified, has become a worldwide religion for 2,000 years, 2 billion followers today. And all of us have heard testimony after testimony of how he has been still alive and working in his church. Miracles, healings, deliverances, encounters people have. Prayers answered. But you know, one of the testimonies and one of the proofs that is often overlooked also is what Lee Strobel, in his book, The Case for Christ, don't get it mixed up with Brad Petrie, The Case for Jesus, said he was an investigative reporter that, whose wife converted to Christianity. He thought she joined the cult, so he said, I'm going to use my investigative skills to find out the truth. And he came to arrive that this Christianity thing has more evidence for it than it would against it. But you know what he said finally convinced him? It was how his wife changed and became so much more loving, patient, and kind. That's 
powerful evidence. Lives changed for the better who give their life to Christ. And so this dynamic of prophecy and fulfillment is one of the evidence that God gives us to help us believe. Today we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It is a fact that the church claims to be true. And there is, if you investigate it truly, more evidence for it than against it. And so C.S. Lewis, in his book Mere Christianity, shares a powerful question for all of us. You know, this Christianity stuff, Jesus must either be a liar, a lunatic, or the Lord. Because he claimed to be Christ. It's all over the scriptures. He was crucified and tried for blasphemy. And so everyone agrees he's a good man. Everyone pretty much agrees he existed. Could that good man be a liar? Probably not. Could he be a lunatic to have lasted so long, his message? Probably not. Probably he is the Lord, which he claimed to be. And so he goes further. Christianity is either false or true. If it's false, it's of no importance. But if it's true, it is the most important thing in the history of the world, the universe. But one thing it is not it's just moderately true. This claim that Christ is the Lord and has risen from the grave is a central fact of all existence that calls each of us to take a stand, to make a decision. Our future depends on it. And so, like Peter, when we hear others tell us we can commit the original sin, and say, I don't need God. Or we can at least be open to investigating. But the facts alone are not meant to convince us. You see, if Christianity really was prophesied by God beforehand and then come, it's the only major religion that has been announced beforehand by God. Many other religions founded by a human who found God and want to show others how to find God. But in Christianity, God finds us. He comes into our existence when we're not even paying attention and wants to be in love with us, in relation with us, and gives his life to us so that we can join our life to him. And through our death, joined with his, we rise and live forever. It is a love story. And so our faith isn't meant to be believed because of the evidence. Then it would only be a human faith based on a shaky and sandy foundation. God wants our faith to be based on something beyond this world that the evidence only points to. But we must go to the tomb ourselves like Peter and have the humility to get down on one knee and make that prayer. Jesus, are you truly risen? Was that tomb truly empty? Are you true? If you are, reveal yourself 
to me. For I recognize that I have strayed from your love. I have not acknowledged all that you are. I have made mistakes. I've hurt others. I need to be reconciled and forgiven. Please, Lord, if you have risen, if you are truly Lord, show me, help me to love you, forgive me, and reveal yourself to me. Because John 14 tells us that this resurrection, the living Lord, isn't something that just happened 2,000 years ago. It's something that's meant to happen in the heart of every believer. Jesus says, if you follow my commands, if you love me, I will reveal myself to you. I believe in that prayer. God does it to everyone in a different way because some of us are stubborn and God's got to hit us over the head. Some of us are really open and hungry and God gently reveals it. But if we make that prayer and look for the Lord himself, to show us. I think and I pray and my faith says and the testimonies I've heard all of us will have a deeper relationship. And so whether you're a believer needing to go deeper, being called make that prayer to go deeper. If you're doubting and questioning but open and searching ask the Lord to reveal the truth to you. And if you're still perhaps like some of us, like I was for many years, heart of heart, give him a chance. Take the risk.